0: Alright, so we are talking about Galatians. And in Galatians, God is talking about freedom. We've been talking about different types of freedom that we have in Jesus. We've been talking about how you, don't, you are free from having to obey every law in the Bible to be able to be loved by God. But today, we're talking about a freedom that comes from the heart. A freedom that is within us. A freedom that we understand our lives have meaning, not because of anything on the outside, but because of what's happening on the inside. And so, for this to be understood, we have to realize that it's not natural to our normal way of thinking. Okay? So, we have to put on our Bible caps today. We can't try to figure out God's word using our human reasoning. We have to listen to what God is teaching us so that the light can go on inside of us so that we can understand spiritual truths, the Bible says, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And spiritual truths will often be opposite and in conflict to the truths that the world says are true. We want to know what is really true, and we want to know what is truly real. We want to know what's really true, and we want to know what's truly real. And Jesus and Paul and God often speak to us in paradoxes so that we might think about it and we might understand it. That God wants us to understand things that sometimes don't sound right, but then the more you think about it, the more you ask God to reveal its meaning, the more you realize, wow, not only am I glad that's right, but I want it for myself. And so there are lots of paradoxes in the Bible. And if you look at your outline, you'll see three of them from the New Testament. And the first one is that exaltation comes through humility. Exaltation comes through humility. In James, the Bible says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. If we humble ourselves, then we are lifted up. That God lifts us up and gives us that type of sense of exaltation and joy we look for when we humble ourselves. Another one that the Bible says, this is a big one, and we can see truly that it's a paradox, but that is that strength comes through weakness. Strength comes through weakness. And so in 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So weakness is is the means by which we understand true strength in our in our in our being the third one is that blessings are received through giving and jesus said is quoted in acts 20 it is more blessed to give than to receive And so God uses paradoxes to teach us truth about who we are and what God has made us to be and what's going to truly free us. So things that we might normally think would sort of be like handcuffs and keep us from freedom are actually the things that break the handcuffs and give us true freedom. And Paul has his own paradox here today in Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 13. Let me read those verses for you, and then we'll see what that paradox is. Galatians 5, 13 through 15. You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. What Paul is saying here is that freedom, divine freedom, God's freedom, means being a servant. Now think about that. When we think about chains, we think about handcuffs, we normally think about those things as being things that are you had done to prisoners and to slaves to servants but what god is saying to us is that true freedom comes when you are a servant to other people in fact he says in verse 13 you were called to be free now use that freedom And how do we use that freedom? We use that freedom to serve other people. And how do we serve other people? We serve them by loving them. We serve them by loving them. And the Bible word here in love is the word agape. And that is the word of grace. The the title of our sermon series is called Amazing Grace. And it is about God's amazing agape love. And it is a love that loves us just for who we are. It is a love that keeps giving grace to us, forgiveness to us, and love to us even though we don't deserve it. And there's nothing we can do in return to pay God back for it. And there's nothing we can do to earn it. It is a love of grace and of goodness and of serving one another. Now, the context of these verses is about the spirit. The context of service here is about what's happening inside of our hearts and what's happening inside the hearts of other people. So this kind of service is not like the kind of service that's on the card that was there in the bulletin about signing up for serving in promised land. Now, there are lots of verses in the Bible that talk about that kind of service, okay? But that's not the kind of service that this verse is talking about. This kind of service is talking about the motivation for that kind of service. So this kind of service is a service of love in our hearts that wants to serve other people. We want to serve other people out of love. Now, out of that love... We may want to become a promised land teacher. We may want to serve other people in that way. But specifically to this particular passage, this is a love of serving other people and loving them in spite of the fact that they may hurt you. This passage is talking about loving other people who may insult you. This passage is talking about loving other people who keep stepping on your toes, This passage is talking about loving other people who don't deserve to be loved. And this is the kind of love that God has set us free to have. In Romans chapter 6, verse 18, you have that verse there in your outlines. And we do have some Bibles there in the middle of the aisle. And uh, the person sitting in the aisle wants to pass them towards the outside. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like one, um, these are for you to keep. But if you um, want to look in there or you want to look in your outline, Romans 6, 18, and I'll read it. It says, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. That's the paradox. We have been set free from our sins for a purpose. And that purpose is to become a slave. The word servant there Or serve, in Galatians, is also the word slave, dulos. That God wants us to know that our freedom is to do the love that God has done to us, to other people. And so God wants us to be a slave to righteousness, a slave that's set free from sin. Now that's going to incur a battle. And that battle is going to be against what Paul calls the flesh. That we are not to be using our flesh. We are not to be divided. We are not to be biting or devouring one another or destroying one another. Just think about that. That's sort of like, if you ate breakfast this morning, that's sort of what you did. Okay, You started off and you, you bit into something. all right, And then you devoured it. And then it was gone. You destroyed it, right? Now, that's good for food. But that's not good for people. And yet, that's sort of how it starts. We begin by biting into people with a little comment here and there. They begin biting into us with a little sarcasm. They begin to bite into us because they say something we don't agree with. They begin to bite into us because they say something that we don't like just because we don't like it. And then we begin to devour each other. It escalates. And we begin to yell at each other. We begin to get more angry at each other. We begin to try to hurt the other person. We no longer do things by accident, but we premeditate it. And we begin to devour each other. And then it goes into full-fledged war. And we can end up destroying each other. And that's what Paul is talking against here, that our freedom is not to do that. Our freedom is to love one another, to love our brothers and sisters, and to say no to the things that we normally would want, and to say yes to the things that God wants. So the first thing that God wants us to know is that we are set free to be a servant, to love other people. But freedom needs a power to do that. Freedom needs a source to do that, and that source is not us. We can't do it on our own flesh. And so Paul continues, and he wants us to know, the second point is this, that freedom means living according to the desires of God. Freedom means living according to the desires of the Holy Spirit. Let me read verses 16 through 18. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature, For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. God wants us to be led by the spirit. God wants us to be led by the power of love. But God knows that this won't be easy. And so even though we want to do what's right, we don't always do what's right and we feel guilty for it. We always struggle with the things of our flesh. Even though we are forgiven, we will still sin. Because while we are in this world, we still have the same bodies we were all born with. We still have the same tendencies. We still have all the the bad histories that lead us to do things that we don't want to do. But there is a spirit that can bring healing. God can bring hope. God can bring change. And now we want to live on the desire of somebody else. I want to live to please somebody else instead of just pleasing myself. I don't want to live just with my desires. But now I want to say, God, I want to live according to your desires. And that will be hard. That will be a spiritual struggle. Uh, The reformer, John Calvin wrote these words, and you have it there in your outline. He says, the spiritual life, the spiritual life will not be maintained without a struggle. If we would obey the Spirit, we must labor and fight and apply our utmost energy, and we must begin with self-denial. How good are you? How good am I? How good are we? At self-denial. Now we might think about it as like food, you know, and you say, Wow, that looks really good, and I'm on a diet and I shouldn't eat that. And so so I need to have self-denial. Or you might say, you know what, I, I really want to sleep in today, but you know you need to go running or you need to go to the gym. And so you gotta deny that desire to sleep so that you can go and exercise. Or maybe you know that you should read the Bible more. And you say, you know what, I've just got to turn off the TV. I've just got to turn off the internet. I've just got to turn off my phone. And I have to deny myself to do what's right. The beginning of our strength in God is by the power of His Spirit. And I think one of the first things the Spirit gives us strength to do is to have self-denial so that we can have spirit desire. Self-denial can lead to spirit desire. And spirit desire begins to inspire self-denial. And so God wants us to be encouraged because after you begin to do these things, you start to do the right thing. You start to eat the right food, and pretty soon you don't like the bad food as much. You begin to exercise, and pretty soon you find yourself looking forward to going to exercise. You begin to read the Bible, and you begin to understand greater truths, and you begin to want to read more of the Bible. And so we put God's priorities into our priorities, and we find that our desires begin to be inspired by what God wants, but it's always a struggle. And it's every day. There's never a time where we just cruise. It is a diligent struggle all the time. It begins the moment we became a Christian until the day that we die. There will never be a time where we can go, ah, oh, I finally made it. We will always be in a place where we must be diligent to the very end. We must finish the race. And Paul talked about how hard it was for himself. And here is an apostle who's lived with Jesus for a long time, who is one of the strongest, maybe the strongest Christian who has ever lived on the face of the earth, And this is what he writes. This is his testimony in Romans chapter 7. And you have that there in your outline. But if you want to look in your Bible, it's Romans chapter 7, verse 15. And then Romans chapter 7, verse 21 through 25. And I'll read it. And this is Paul, the mature believer in Christ, saying this. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Have you ever felt like that? I don't want to do this. I know if I do it, I'm going to feel bad, and I end up doing it anyway. Why do I do that? Okay? So in verse 21, Paul says, so I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and make me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? How am I ever going to be delivered from this how is it ever going to be possible for me to not live according to my desires? Because even Paul, the great apostle, was saying, I want to do what's right, but so often I find the desire in me to do what is wrong. But then he gives us the answer. And he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It is through Jesus alone that we have the power for life. It is through Jesus alone that we have the power to endure our problems in relationships. It is through Jesus alone that we have the power to endure our own internal struggles with things like maybe depression or sadness or anger or resentment or a desire for revenge. It is through Jesus alone that we have the power to overcome the floss, the sloth that may be in our spirit, the weakness in our flesh, the desire to give up. That is only through Jesus that we are able to be energized to do the things that we want to do to live and be the people that we want to be. It is through Jesus and the desire of the Holy Spirit living in us that gives us the ability so that we can continue to grow in our freedom. And so Paul brings it up to this crescendo, and he wants us to know exactly what it means now to have the ability to have this power to be free and to know the power of the Spirit And he says, this is how you do it. This is point three. That divine freedom means belonging to Jesus Christ. Divine freedom means belonging to Jesus Christ. Now let's go back to the beginning. Okay, with the children, we were talking about bondage. About being a slave. And, and when you are locked in a cell, okay, or when you're locked into some handcuffs, okay, you belong to the person or to the thing that you are now chained to. Now, Paul was taking that image, a very powerful image, and what normally would be a very painful image, and he's turning it around, and he's saying, this is what I want you to see, that being a Christian means that I am now belonging to Jesus Christ. I am now turning the word slave and servant into something very positive. And that's very hard for us to understand in our flesh. But what Paul is saying is that I want you to know that you belong to Jesus. I want you to know you belong to God. Every heart, every person here wants to belong. Every one of us wants to belong to somebody. Every one of us wants to belong to a community. Every one of us wants to belong to a place where we are accepted just as we are. And that's what Paul's about to say. That's what happens with Jesus. Let me read verses 19 through 25. And Paul's going to talk first about the trials that we face, about the temptations of the flesh. But as I get towards the end, notice how he says that it is our belonging that's going to help us to move from the places of belonging to sin to belonging to the Savior. So verse 19, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality and and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, Do you want those things? Love, belonging, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those who belong to Christ Jesus. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so first and foremost, for us to understand divine freedom and to grow in divine freedom and to realize it, to know that this is what is really true, is to belong to Jesus, to be a Christian. If you are a Christian, then you belong to to Jesus, you've given up your life to him. Now, it means, doesn't mean that you're not going to sin. It doesn't mean you're not going to have desires for these. There's 15 that Paul's list there. And then he says, you know, I could tell you a lot more, all right? He says, and the like. You know, there could be a lot more things there. But not just these. But anything that we struggle with, okay, those sinful desires, they have been crucified by Jesus, since I belong to Jesus, Everything that belongs to him now belongs to me. And he has overcome all of the sins. He has been victorious over death. He has the answer for us to be able to say no to those sins by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he says, he lists four types of sins. There's three at the beginning that are sexual struggles. There's two that deal with pseudo-religious struggles. And then there's eight that deal with social struggles. And the last two deal with drinking problems. And so Paul says these four things that are troubling the Galatians. But he, he lists eight. And there's a strong emphasis here on the social relationships that are happening, belonging to other people and belonging to God that happens when we don't live that out. According to the Bible... I belong to two people, okay. So you already know one is God, right? I belong to Jesus. Who's the second person? According to the Bible, who do I belong to? My wife. I belong to Carol. The Bible says, okay. The Bible says that the husband no longer owns his own body, but his wife owns it. So I can say, Carol owns me. Right? <laughs> I belong to her. Now since I belong to her, hey, I don't want to hurt her. I don't want to do anything that brings shame to her. I don't want to do anything that, that puts a, a mark in her heart. I don't want to do anything that weighs her down because I belong to her. Jesus belongs to you. And you belong to Jesus. He is your life. He can be your life. What did he do? Belonging to Jesus means I have crucified the sinful natures with his passions and desires. It's interesting that Paul says that we have crucified sinful natures and passions and desires. Because we participate in this by our faith. See, Jesus has died for my sins. He's the one who was crucified for my sins. But I participate in the cross of Christ by my faith. When I believe that Jesus died for my sins, I believe that I'm forgiven. And I don't want to do them anymore. I have hurt Carol countless times. But the older I get, the more I realize how much I don't want to do it. And I think, I think I do it a lot less now than when we were first married. But it's always a struggle. But as my love grows for her, as my love grows for God, I don't want to bring shame to either one of them. Because I belong to them. I don't want to hurt them. And so I want to see that the crucified life is part of me. What a paradox, right? I mean, who wants to be crucified? Nobody. Paul says to live the crucified life. Live a life that says no to the sins of the flesh by saying yes to the power of the Holy Spirit die to ourselves, die to our own selfish desires. In John 12, 24, you have that verse there, and these are Jesus' words. John 12, 24. Would you read them out loud with me? Let's say them together. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Now this takes faith. To believe that the next time you want to yell back at your wife but you choose not to. Or the next time you want to hit back at your husband and you choose not to. That you die to your selfish desires. That God will bless that. Or the next time you want to cheat. You don't cheat. You got to trust God. You got to believe that he's going to reward you. And he does. It takes faith. The next time you want to lie. The next time you want to do something wrong. The next time you want to give into to your flesh. You've got to have the faith to believe that if I die to that desire and I, I ask God to help me to not do it, and I choose to not do it, I say, God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Please help me. It takes faith to believe that something good will come out of that because we naturally don't see the possibility for that happening. We think we're just going to get run over if we don't fight back. But God says, you've got to trust me. You've got to trust me for this because it's only when a seed dies, it's only when you die to yourself that I can bring my life up to show. And I promise that I will because you belong to me and just as Jesus was risen from the dead and just as the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, so I will raise you from the dead when you die to yourself. But there is something very positive that Paul concludes with. There is something very positive that God wants us to do. There is something that when we say no to our sin and we die to ourselves, there's something positive that we do in replace of that. And that is that we keep in step with the Spirit. This is a positive process where we participate with God. And the Bible tells us that the fruit of the Spirit, it is the fruit of the Spirit that is love. It is the fruit of the Spirit that gives us any nine of these manifestations. And it's a singular word, fruit. It's not fruits of the Spirit. And it means is that they all belong together, and that God wants us to know that this is a love that we have, because God has given to us His love by the miracle of the Holy Spirit, not by the efforts of our own flesh we cannot manufacture love joy and peace we cannot make it up in our own effort we must ask god for it and then we must walk in the power of the spirit to show that kind of love we must be willing to give up our lives to the spirit and to god to know this kind of peace it is this great and amazing paradox that is so true once we embrace it in first corinthians 6:19 through 20 Paul says, do you not know? And he's speaking to Christians here. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Therefore, honor God with your body. Let me ask you this. Do you want divine freedom. Is there a place in your life that you've already thought about through this message? Go, I wish I was free in this area of my life. This is a time that you can begin or rebegin with God to know this kind of freedom, to know that we belong not to ourselves, but to one who loves us far more than we can even love ourselves. That God wants us to be free. He doesn't want us to be handcuffed. God does not handcuff himself to us. But he offers out his hand to us all the time. God could, right? God could say, you know, you belong to me and I belong to you. So I'm going to handcuff you to me. And you're just going to have to do everything I tell you to do. But God doesn't do that. There's another kind of union that God offers to us. That he says, this is what I'm offering to you. Instead of handcuffs, I'm offering you my hand. And will you hold on to my hand? Will you hold on to me? Will you receive the freedom that I can give to you through the power of my spirit? Will you ask me for help and I will give it to you? That is how we begin. We ask God for it. We just ask him for freedom. We pray and we say, God, help me to be free in this area. Help me to know divine freedom. Help me to know how much you love me. Lord, I want you. I want you to take control of my life because I trust you, because I love you, but most of all, because you love me. We're going to go into a time of prayer right now and singing. And we have some prayer teams. We have some teams. There'll be a cup on this side and three on this side. Um, And just for the youth, I want you to know we have Vincent over here if you want to go to Vincent and pray. And um, I really want to encourage you to have courage. And I know every one of us here needs prayer. I know every one of us here has a place in our hearts where we could use freedom and greater freedom in God's grace. And so I want to encourage you to have the courage and the faith. Just go up and, and receive the love of someone who will pray for you. You can share with them and you can receive from them the gift of prayer and you'll have somebody else there loving you as well. So let me just say a short prayer now and we'll begin to sing. And then as we sing through these two songs, as you feel led, please come to those of us on the prayer team and let us know how we might pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for us and, and for your goodness and for your grace. Lord, thank you for the goodness of the things that you give to us through your word and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, that you want us to be free. You want us to be free and to know the freedom that comes from the Spirit, the freedom that gives love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. So Lord, we pray, help us to know these things as we come to you in prayer.